Hello everyone, and welcome to episode two of season two of Differential Diagnosis, a House MD podcast, where it's in the name, but if you needed more explanation, we're doing a podcast about every single episode of House. And given that it's season two, episode two, that's exactly what we'll be talking about today. Uh, my name is Harvey, and uh, as always, joining us is Gaz, the other half of the diagnostic team. Oh, you promoted me from co-host to the other half. I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very happy with this. That sounds like we just got married. Well, we are married, not necessarily officially, but by <laughs> the bond that's been forged by this podcast. Absolutely. So very emotional. You're my Too partner. Much to handle. You're my person. <laughs> you complete me. Oh no. <laughs> Well, we complete this podcast. The podcast yeah, is our baby. Hopefully. We try. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to divorce you and take one half of this goddamn baby with me. I'm taking it. Actually, no, I'm not taking half. I'm taking it all. Five years. <laughs> five more years. That's all it needs. <laughs> well, yeah, but to, to begin that, that five-year journey to get to season eight before we get divorced. Uh, this week, as I said, we're going to be talking about season two, episode two, Autopsy, which... um. As always, we would recommend going and watching the episode. So if you want to listen along, you can enjoy it and get the most out of it. Because, you know, we, we, we try to talk through the plot as contextually as possible, but we might use a bit of shorthand and you might get a bit lost. So that's the best way that we can think of to uh, avoid that. But um, yeah, this week we're going to be talking about that one. The, uh, the one with the uh, child with cancer who house hates and who Chase kisses My God. in a uh, very strange house scene that I can't wait to start talking about <laughs> as soon as possible. Well, there you go. Um, so I guess we should just get on with it. Well, you're a, well, you're the, no, you're the, you're the synopsis guy. Go ahead, Gaz, give us a synopsis for the episode, just to remind everyone. Bada bing, bada boom. Um, as usual, this is a synopsis powered by house.fandom.com. Um, and... I read the entirety of this article and it is ridiculously well researched. I could have just based the entirety <laughs> of my review for this yeah. episode on the article placed in, fan in the house.fandom wiki. It's astoundingly um, detailed. Oh, they all are. Like you go on any other wiki and like the house ones are insane. But um. But yeah, go on, tell us, tell us some of the things you, you heard, or are you going to pass them off as your own thoughts in the episode? Of course I I'm going to pass them off as my own. <laughs> what the hell do you think I am? Do you think I work? I, do, I watch this with any kind of like degree of intelligence? <laughs> I'm a hack. Um, but yeah, this one's especially rich. Um, so if you're looking for a great uh, Wikipedia, wiki page to read in your spare time this is the one to do it it's the house.fandom.com slash wiki slash autopsy um <laughs> i don't know why i'm even providing the link you could just google it um so here's the synopsis autopsy is a second season episode of house which first aired on september 20th 2005 a nine-year-old with terminal cancer who is hallucinating comes to the hospital house thinks her bravery in the face of imminent death is actually a symptom of her condition 
Meanwhile, House tries to get over his hay fever and test drives a motorcycle. I think that pretty much sums it all up. <laughs> Is that, does it just say and drives a motorcycle at the end? And test drives a motorcycle. That's really funny. It's a pivotal moment. No, it is, but just like, yeah, it's a pivotal moment, but out of context, it's just like, he rides a motorcycle. It sounds like a children's cartoon. All, all Mr. Ben he... went to the shops and he rode a, <laughs> he just drove a motorcycle. I guess the other thing is, it made it sound like he needed to get over his hay fever in order to test drive the motorcycle, <laughs> which uh, is a bit, a bit of strange kind of phrasing there. Could have been done a little bit differently but even with that in mind i kid you not this is a very rich review of the tv the the actual episode on the wiki apart from that mad moment at the synopsis bit that i've just read yeah um gaz likes to deliver the shit sandwich praise the wiki slag it off just a little bit praise it again yeah (laughs) pretty much that's how i do it it's good management I style. I subvert expectation. No, I elevate expectation. I subvert it and then I bring it back up, up again. Just like David Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> what am I fucking saying? So, um, um, well, I don't think any of us have done anything interesting or have any other thoughts other than what we have on the episode itself. So I guess we'll get cracking. Let's Let's kick this pig. <laughs> let's uh get into the the let's get into the office <laughs> which is just under duvets and um begin our differential diagnosis of season two episode two autopsy We start off, the girl, she's in her room, she's putting on her wig because she's uh, bold because of the chemotherapy, listening to Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. I think the symbolism <laughs> is uh, is all there. I think it doesn't take a genius to work this out, but it's a very standard uh, opening for now, I would say. Um, unless, Gaz, any ideas you've stolen from the wiki have told you that this is like some sort of homage to like... Dostoevsky or something probably um although i'm not i'm not even remotely cultured enough to actually um (laughs) be able to reference that with any sort of degree of um competency um um, no there there is nothing being referenced here the kid is having some sort of hallucination and it's also one of those kind of subjective uh perspective intros for the characters now it's less of that kind of whoa let's go into the brain let's delve deep with some graphics yeah the um it, it feels like they've built a set and they've like built it to fall apart and they've like put in a bit more work than just handing it over to the cgi crew to be like just show us some electrons <laughs> going ape shit very easy to connect with that as a um plot device totally it, i i 
I do also very much enjoy the mother's face because she runs in and doesn't say anything because I don't think she's been given any lines. So she just like pulls a like a weird grimace for like way too long. <laughs> if anybody wants to go back and watch that, it is very funny if you just watch it because um, she is being really awkward. I, mm. I noticed it while watching it again. This is the problem with watching it so many times. You start to just get bored and then make up stuff in your head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that might be true. It's just like, just don't say anything, just react. And she was like, just did a weird <laughs> grimace. <laughs> yeah, she's not saying anything. She's just grimacing. She's not like, are you okay? <laughs> What's wrong? Well, I'd be going, what the fuck? What the fuck? How dare you ah. smash that mirror? What have you done? <laughs> No more chemo for you. Punishment. <laughs> She's like, I've stopped chemo two weeks ago, you <laughs> bitch. And then we um and then after that cold open <laughs> the lovely cold open. Let's not mock the cancer kid. I feel <laughs> like that might bring the show down. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean House does it throughout the episode, but he's allowed. Yeah, he's, he's... um <laughs> But we um uh, yeah, we, we, we kickstart with House having hay fever, which is one of those interesting ones because you know where like House is withdrawing or something like that kind of affects the case. The hay fever one's quite funny because it doesn't really it doesn't really have an impact on the episode. It's like people are he's trying to leave to go home because he's got hay fever. And then Wilson interests him in the case by saying, look, there's a girl with cancer. The cancer isn't in the brain, but she's hallucinating. That kind of grabs House's attention. And then. Um, House is just intrigued So I guess the hay fever thing is kind of used to show that Even when House wants to go home ill He'll stay Because of an interesting case But we kind of already know that about House at this point Yeah. But um, it's more for just a Little funny performance thing It's like the hay fever doesn't really affect anything It just means that Hugh Laurie has to put on a very good Bunged up nose impression <laughs> And just have lots of tissues Around the entire episode It's very funny Yes And but it does a very um, good he does a very good um, impression of a person with a very bunged up nose. Um, I'll give him that. Should have got yeah. should have got an Emmy for that. <laughs> I Probably think he did. I think he actually did. <laughs> but it's um, but it's one, it's it's one of those little things I like about the show is that like you can just have standard episodes. You can just write the lines. But somebody was like, "Hey, why can't House just have hay fever and have hay fever this episode?" And um, it's kind of nice because it places it in the year. So we know that this is summer. So when the winter episode comes around, we know what's happening, which I quite like that House has such a good sense of time. But also it's just a nice little thing just to mix up. They're like, do we have any real ideas this episode? Well, we've got a few. How can we make it more interesting? Let's give House hay fever. Will it affect anything? No. Yeah. But let's give him it anyway. Another interesting part of the show... uh of this episode in particular is that the the kind of pre-existing order of the team is shown to be still there chase is still like number three Fordman and cameron are kind of vying for two and one mm. depending on things um uh that's good it also um marginalizes cameron for previous behavior in the first episode we're getting a bit too comfortable with the um, the cancer patient, so she's kind of been marginalised too. So the, it's still exploring those team dynamics quite interestingly, and I think. Yeah, um, I totally agree. It's it's yeah. I think it doesn't. He just say like you can't go near the cancer patient because you'll get all you'll get feelings. 
But yeah, it seems like this form of house is interested more in the puzzle initially. But um, one of my favourite things about the this episode is that it's actually about... Um, it is about House's character in a way. Or rather the moral choices he makes. As much as it's about the patient. So the patient is essentially going to die. That is an inevitability. Hmm. Um, but if she, if they cure her now, she'll live for another year. But it'll be a year of suffering. It'll be a year of pain. Um, but she'll still live. And her bravery in continuing to live and to go through this quite painful set of procedures to find out what's wrong with her, um, that's her choice. And how struggles with her choice and in doing so, he struggles with his own choice, where he perceives that perhaps not living is actually easier than living with the pain that he does have. Although, taking into consideration, he doesn't have cancer as a limp. He has his dream job, and he alienates people himself. Yeah. Um, but for him, that's a legitimate moral question. So that's my kind of thematic um setup i think yeah that's very interesting because we were we were discussing this before the podcast now I, I didn't see this i sort of saw house's confrontation of the patient's bravery as kind of just on the face of it what it was the kind of cynicism of house and i, I think he does it in a I think he he's a lot more hostile to Wilson about it when he's like, you know, I want to see how brave she is when you tell her she's going to die. Um, I think but that may, maybe that's why House has hay fever to put him in a bad mood, because he is being a lot harsher about like the idea of a child dying and children with cancer. Like he has a lot of things like, oh, why do people like children with cancer? They're not brave. There must be one wuss in the crowd. Yeah. And it's kind of like I think maybe that's why they give him hay fever to maybe make him a bit grumpier. So that he can maybe be a bit more extreme. Because I do feel like he's possibly being a bit much. Like yeah. he seems like someone who's a bit annoyed. But um, I totally saw it on the face of it as that like, you know, he was kind of questioning this partly medically, as you say. But also it's this combination of his, you know, the medicine of, oh, uh, you know, maybe the bravery is um, a symptom. And also his values. He like is questioning kind of cynically how this girl you know, why this girl wants to go on and what value she sees in her life. But, um, but yeah, you've seen it as like a, <clears throat> it's like house questioning himself, which I think is very interesting. Um, and yeah, didn't, didn't stand out to me. I assume you didn't see that on the wiki, <laughs> the wiki page. This is why you shouldn't mention the wiki page. Cause I've become suspicious. I keep thinking no. you've taken it from somewhere. <laughs> um, I'd come up with that after watching it about three times. Really? Yeah, I watched the episode three times because I oh, thought wow. it was quite interesting. Um, but there are elements of that which are um, in that wiki page, actually, which is quite interesting. So it was a bit of a sanity check when I read it, where it's basically saying that maybe it is really about the choice of living and suffering um, versus um, uh, dying with a lesser pain or a lesser severity. It's a utility question, I guess, yeah. versus principles. Whereas him kind of saying, oh, look, um, 
it must be in the brain. It must be a defect. It must be something caused by the disease that she has on top of her cancer. It seems like a convenient way to kind of gloss over the deeper question of finding a reason to live. Her reason to live is for her mother, in a sense. She wants yeah. to continue living for her mother, doesn't want her mother to be upset. House just can't buy it. He has to see it as like a kind of defect of reasoning. Um, but Wilson, I mean, Wilson comes in and actually acts as someone who is uh, rationalizing a little bit by saying, look, a year is a long time for a nine-year-old girl. It would become, by the time she dies, 10% of her life. It's a lot of time. Yeah, which... um. <clears throat> Which, yeah, I think he even, like, says, like, oh, she'll outlive you, House. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, wasn't that, wasn't he, like, just messing around with drugs at the time, trying to yeah, cure it, his hay fever? During that scene, he's, yeah, he's snorting a lot of hay fever drugs to cure himself. And I think that scene <laughs> is really funny. I do really like House in this episode because he's, like, being a lot more dark-humoured. Yeah. Um he d- they don't I don't think they quite do this as much and I totally get it cuz this is like the ultra cynical house and this could get really boring after a while mm. if like anything that ever happened house was just saying oh that's bullshit because that's not interesting that's like the nihilist character that we've kind of talked about before in the first season. Yeah. Where you and I don't really like well it's not that we don't like them we just think that nihilist characters can be quite one note because their stance and everything is I don't have any values. I can do what I want, which is yeah. like, you know, I mean, it's it's complex, but it's complex in a very one note way. Right. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, there's a lot of great lines in that scene where he's like, you know, where Wilson's like, you know, she's living her life more than you. And House just says, yeah, but I have the I have the like virtue of time. I can pace myself. <laughs> 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 you really are some fantastic one liners in this. But um. Yeah, I think the I think the episode's theme of exploring of House using the patient to explore the value of life mm. and if his life has any value and whether or not it's worth going on. So are you seeing it as that like, you know, House is contemplating yeah. killing himself? Or do you think it's like just a sort of like intellectual kind of dark thought that he's having? Uh, well, I think this gets to like one of the core issues of the character which is when does the intellectual become uh kind of moral or vital for house yeah because it's not really it's not it's not easy to make that dividing line he's the mount he's supposed to be obsessed by the puzzle but then he gets embroiled in moral morality and then all of a sudden like it's all very kind of complex so when does an intellectual puzzle like that become a real vital question of his life? Um, and I guess that's what the final scene is supposed to represent. That actually it wasn't just a uh, intellectual um, exercise for him. It was actually uh, him and going, shit, maybe I need to live life more fully. Hmm. Um, and maybe... Um, there are things to enjoy in life, and that's why he test drives the motorcycle. <laughs> oh well, yeah, no, I the the motorcycle as a um, because it's quite interesting. It's like he 
he walks past a motorcycle um, center and a salesman tries to sell him a motorcycle, which he's not listening to because he's listening to music. But as you say, like there's this big moment for him. The guy's like, I'll give it you for like 32 grand. And he's like, oh, no, he walks off and he's like, but maybe I'll test drive it. Mm. And I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, the, the metaphor of the motorcycle is quite obvious. It's like house enjoying his life more but it's quite interesting it kind of he doesn't go all the way in maybe that's like a little bit extra it's like you know house isn't going to start totally enjoying his life but maybe he'll flirt with it maybe at least he'll test drive it he'll give it a try but I he does actually later it. buy the motorcycle which i don't know if then i don't know if the i mean I, I give all credit to the creators they really do have a good attention to detail throughout the series but i don't know if that's then show um that, you know, House is going to, that House is getting better, that he's enjoying his life more, right? Well, maybe. Because if the motorcycle is used as a metaphor to show House enjoying himself and he doesn't quite take the plunge to buying it, does him buying the motorcycle continue that? I mean, I think I think they would like it to be that way, but um, I think within this, just analysing this through the parameters of this episode, when he says, uh, can I test drive it? He's really saying, yeah, I'll give give this kind of way of living a try. I'm not going all in. He's not going to become happy, clappy, life is sacred, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but he'll be like, well, maybe there are some things worth worth exploring here. Maybe mm. the girl is right in her kind of naive wisdom. Well, he, he actually he has a line that he says that um, if life was based on time left you'd be able to make all the decisions about your medical history. So if she's nine going on 10 and then she's going to die, technically she's 90 in House's <laughs> like version of it. So she is wiser than House. Yeah. She's certainly older. I guess in the kind of life cycle phase of things. Yeah. Which once again, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're going to, yeah, like reading into it as like, as like, as like, you know, him, trying to learn from this girl like i don't know if throwaway lines are like a meant in that way it's it, it's quite interesting i don't know but that that's what my takeaway is from it the, the the motorcycle is the line the kind of request to see if he can test drive it is it's a metaphorical um it's 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 a symbolic gesture about what he's learned and he's not been on a quest or whatever i don't think that would be it but what he's yeah. learned from that experience and i guess that answers the question that it's not just a, i think it, it, it it's an intellectual game in one sense for him as it but it is also something that's deeply moral i just don't think uh i think a lot of people characterize house as being this kind of over overly cerebral brilliant doctor who doesn't um who only is interested in the puzzle and then sometimes gets embroiled in moral questions and quandaries. But I actually think that within the kind of stereotype, the Sherlock Holmesian kind of archetype, what makes House a compelling character is that he does something more than that. The silences, the glib remarks are actually, or the kind of absences of things can also be as crucial or the way he phrases things um, are crucial to showing that actually the intellectual puzzle 
the puzzle is as much intellectual as it is moral, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, that's my take um, on the character as a whole. That's fine. Um, I mean, he's he's the feeling intellectual, which we we have discussed makes him more interesting than people like Sherlock. Yeah, which he is based on because he then, you know, he 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 expresses deeper feelings about how he feels about things. But also how to act. Hmm. Because we've, we were talking about this before in the first episode where of this season where he's been confronted by all these kind of moral arguments for why he shouldn't save the prisoner and should actually focus on the cancer patient from Cameron. And Cameron kind of says, oh, you're just interested in the puzzle, aren't you? And there's that silence that happens. And that silence to me is more of just saying like, calling out Cameron saying that's preposterous you know I'm a doctor I care you know I'm a human I care you know how stupid that remark is yeah and I think that's something that carries over into this episode too I think it and it's it was in season one as well this is the thing that always gets me when I look at kind of um conventional reviews of house as him being this kind of cerebral overly cerebral and feeling uncaring attitude here and there he's actually a deeply moral character um he just doesn't wear his morality on his sleeve all the time Hmm. well yeah the the whole like there's a there's a a running thing of how um and actually is discussed in a few episodes time but it's about how like you know doctors want to be objective and the whole thing about how like grappling with objectivity Hmm. um comes up a lot actually because House wants to be objective, but he is someone who will, like, totally make, you know, shirk. Um, he'll someone who'll totally shirk, like, a totally logical train of thought to head down another route because he's, like, not feeling right. I mean, his entire life is that. He's not an objective man. He makes incredibly stupid decisions that make his life worse because he just, you know can't bend over for certain people he can't like do things he doesn't think it's like right to be a certain way Mm. and um he'll like break laws ridiculously in the hospital which Mm. he understands why those rules exist it's like you know in control don't give a heart to someone who has suicidal tendencies it's quite straightforward (laughs) yeah why that rule might exist but as you say like the morals get in the way of it and if he was truly objective he wouldn't do things like that yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. There can be some very simplistic reads of the character, mm. which is why I I, <clears throat> I do often see him like with characters like Rick from Rick and Morty, and they are like deeply different characters. <laughs> yeah, you could easily read House as being Rick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you weren't really paying attention <laughs> to like, <laughs> well, th- th- what I um uh, another another aspect. Um, that I like about this is that um, we haven't really seen Wilson be offended before. Yes. Which I thought was quite interesting. Like, Wilson often, like, puts up with stuff House does. And, like, he's, like, outraged or he's like, oh, God, that's ridiculous. Like, he's kind of outraged in a way that, like, like bad train of thoughts, right? If somebody has, like, a bad train of thought or a bad argument, like, Wilson is kind of annoyed just on the basis of he thinks it's illogical. But um, slowly over the course of this in House is like constant questioning of how brave the patient is. He says some quite tasteless things, possibly, to Wilson about like 
you know, oh, is this like girl really brave? Is she going to cry when you tell her she's going to die? And it's like, there's a moment where, uh, yeah, I think Wilson tells, he says, go to hell and walks off, which is very interesting because we haven't really seen um, Wilson of all people react that way. Like he's not just annoyed at house. He's quite sickened by him. Yeah. Which is, um, uh, I think a nice exploration of Wilson, really. It kind of shows how, you know, he's not such a goody two shoes that he'll just laugh and go along with everything like house says. And he's actually like, I think it shows like to the degree that he's like personally attaching with these people, uh, with his patients, which is something that he warned Cameron about last episode. So it's kind of nice to see that brought back, that he's like a man deeply, like emotionally engaged with his patients. Yeah. Just a nice Wilson moment, I thought. But it's, we're starting to see different shades of Wilson's personality. We're also seeing, like you say, like all of these flawed elements to him. Um. And then also the fact that he's kind of getting cut, we're getting hints about how his marriage is still failing. Um, oh, yeah. That's his flirtatious <laughs> behavior. Yeah, that's brought up in a very, in a very funly way. It's, it's a bit forced, I think. I can't remember exactly how it happens, but like, House is like, there are some things that shouldn't happen. Like you talking to Debbie from accounting, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's it it's there and it's it's continuing, and I, I believe that that's like sort of going to come to a head in this season. But it's uh, it's nice that these little things are coming through, and Wilson's Wilson's very slowly being like I don't think Wilson's being unveiled more. It's just nice to see Wilson in more situations. It's nice to get more time with Wilson because he is so, he is. The conscience of the whole thing, right? The whole operation. Yeah. He is the guy that questions House on the fundamental uh, moral problems of doing what he's doing. And it's not in the lazy way of, oh, you so crazy, House. You're so crazy. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Mm. This is madness. You're a maverick. No, it's like... There's some. You are a very deeply flawed man. I don't trust everything that you do. I think you're very talented, but please think this through. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of my kind of take on that. Um, I think it'd be good to go through the uh, patient story, and we also have do have a clinic patient, albeit for like a moment. But the man that circumcised himself. I don't think we need to talk about that. Okay, a man circumcised himself. <laughs> the end yeah it's one of those clinic patients which um it's because obviously last week was like ultimate clinic patient you know huge like existential shaking and character moment for cameron and then this week is he cut the top of his penis off <laughs> it's it's quite funny how it will just flip back to that it's very like they really utilize the clinic scenes how they are needed and um and I agree, like, even though I didn't get quite the level of, like, the exploring the patient's emotional state and how's comparing that to his and the meaning that he gets for his life, I didn't quite get that. I was at least, I mean, I think there's enough going on in the patient story with the patient and the way House is viewing it and, like, all of the kind of treatments that they use. Because um, this show has a lot of, this episode has a lot of fun with the medicine, which I'm sure we'll talk about now. It, it it's an episode that like has some exciting treatments it's got like a lot of the characters really at their best like trying to find solutions to problems 
Mm. Like, oh, there's a, like, you know, there's a, there's a tumor on the girl's heart, but we can't see it. How are we going to find it? And there's like lots of, there's like two or three really interesting, like medical ideas about how to solve a problem, which mm. um, is a really nice part of the show. It's like everyone's superpower is thinking, not just being really emotional and screaming at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, well, it actually feels like people are working together. Yeah, exactly. It feels like the people are working together or not just like having like deus ex machimas where they're just like finding stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the patient is just to, just to kick that off. The patient's a bit strange because the patient, um, the patient at first who established that she's like very brave and she's keeping it together. You kind of have, I mean, you've got the mom who is obviously pretty distraught given the situation, but the patient is very low key for quite a while. Would you say like, she doesn't really give anything away. Um, which I guess adds to the final character moment where she finally cries when House questions whether or not her life is worth living. And then she admits that she's really living for her mother because that's mm. all that matters. But until then, I'd say she's very restrained. Yes. Um, which, uh, which isn't a problem. It's, I guess it's kind of uninteresting, but it, it pays off in the end. So it's kind of interesting in hindsight. And you see why they made that choice. It's not like they couldn't think of any any way to write the character it's like the character is just a very restrained person because she's a child dealing with a huge amount of responsibility and trying to keep it together but not just restrained but also quite knowing so mm. during the initial scene he has with chase going into the mri machine um you know she's saying yeah you know i the surgeon says i have a great aorta or no what was it <laughs> It's like she was talking about a center line thing that she had like inserted into her. And he was like, oh, no one really talks about that. Um, and so she comes across as very knowing about the whole medical process, about how doctors work and how medicine works upon yeah. her. Um, so she comes across as being quite hip to medicine. Whereas sometimes in some of the uh, uh, patient scenes, you just have people who just don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. There, there's usually a veil of ignorance over the character. Apart from just like exhibiting symptoms or getting better or getting worse. She's kind of like saying, ugh, I've been through this. I know what's coming. <laughs> Which kind of adds to that moment of insight that she tries to give to House, I think. So, I mean, in, I guess, focusing on the clinic, uh, the patient, I guess we have to also talk about a scene that you have a lot of interest in. Yes, but don't say it like that because that makes it sound creepy. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> well, a scene, a scene that you've been wanting to analyze because of the ramifications for the character. It's not so much the character, actually. Okay. Um, I'm less interested in that. Okay. I, so what are you uh, interested in? Okay, so right. Now this is um so my interest in that scene cuz while I was watching the show we're talking about the scene where where Chase like kisses a 9-year-old child, right? Which on the face of it is insane. And I can't even imagine that being pitched <laughs> and getting through because like it makes people very uncomfortable and I think um 
I would say now it probably makes people even more uncomfortable. I wouldn't say it's a scene that has aged well. Um, would you agree? I don't know. I'm not I'm not trying to be one of those people who's like, oh, the world's gotten like harsher on things like this. I don't necessarily think that's a problem. But I think there is a definite difference between what was on TV 15 years ago, what's on TV now. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it it's a it's a very sensitive topic, and actually very, quite more incredibly more uh, like questionable, hmm. incredibly questionable, even uh, with the circumstances put in. Well, that's the thing because I think I think what the like when I was watching that scene where kids like chase kiss the child, I I, I was cringing, and I wasn't really cringing because the scene was badly done. I was like cringing because it was really awkward, which I guess is what the show wants me to feel, which it did very well because I don't really cringe that often. <laughs> at like, I don't cringe that often at things I enjoy. So like I wasn't cringing because House was terrible. I cringe at a lot of bad TV, but it was the, um, the fact that it was just making me uncomfortable. And it was more what I was interested in was that like the whole episode and the whole like the whole thing with this um, with this child patient is that obviously most of the most of the um, like scenes start with somebody trying to explain her something like she's a child, and then she immediately knows what they're talking about. And as you say, like there's a there's a lot of wisdom, and there's a lot of like yeah, there's a lot of wisdom, and there's a lot like of yeah, like knowledge that this girl has because she's had to grow up very quickly and mature very quickly. And so, what I thought was interesting was that obviously if you're going to explore that theme as much as you can like you can't really just end it with um like oh she knows a lot about medicine because she's in the hospital a lot like you have to go somewhere with that and i think that like as a nine-year-old like being aware that she's gonna like miss out on lots of other romantic stuff uh like having her first kiss mm. i mean i can totally see some people shying away from that and that's what i thought was interesting about the scene is that once again, I don't know if it would be made today, but it is a very uncomfortable scene and it's an extremely comfort uncomfortable subject. And I find it interesting that they just sort of followed the logical like thought process of, you know, to what degree can we just like, you know, kind of explore this idea of a child having to mature and, you know, being put in a position where they know that they're going to die and miss out on a lot of things. And then her asking an adult to kiss her and then the awkwardness of that conversation. And obviously from Chase's end, even though to him it's like, you know, really insane and absurd. He's also feeling a guilt because he is empathizing with her position. And so while watching that scene, I was really cringing and I was like, oh, my God, why is this in the show? And then at the same time, I was thinking. But that's like quite. In a way, it's quite like realistic that everyone's thinking those things and i was quite impressed that the show kind of took it to that level that's why i was finding it interesting not really so much for chase's development but more in terms of the actual like narrative they didn't just never have the girl talking about her first kiss which i don't think would be missed i don't think the show would be any worse without that but in a way i thought that was quite like brave to handle that because it's not something that wouldn't happen if you see what i mean yeah, I see I what just, you mean. Did that's I just quite... rattle on? <laughs> no, no, that's that's quite an insightful way of trying to analyze that rather dated scene, right? Yeah, well, but that's the thing. Like, 
but it it's not dated like we've talked about this in the first season where they're kind of some of the characters are having a conversation about race yeah <laughs> like in the early episodes between um chase and and foreman and i would say those scenes are badly dated but mostly because they're awkward like there's like forcibly a race joke to get them talking about race yeah and that's that's the show obviously wanting to like talk about an issue that feels forced that's like that's clearly someone in the room being like oh shit you know we've picked all these characters from different backgrounds like racially sexually let's have them like talk about them that's Mm. one them wanting to describe like you know explore something or like maybe Mm. you know be be like a first in tv to be like wow that show is on the cutting edge talking about race relations in america today Mm. but like that scene didn't feel like it was talking about anything i don't think anybody needed a discussion on like the sort of sexual maturity or romantic maturity of like nine-year-olds yeah so that didn't feel like they were trying to explore anything or like you know yeah like I'm I'm sure I do, I think there is later on there's an episode like kind of talking about the age of consent when people are near 16 mm. and like to what degree you know you know to what degree before 16 can somebody consent to something um which sort of takes this idea a bit further I guess but in this one it felt like a very natural part of the narrative and I I, I give I give them credit that they went there because it made me cringe but not in the same way that the talk about race relations did. I wasn't like, wow, this is really awkwardly thrown in. That felt like something, you know, kind of fit with the show, Mm. but um, was extremely uncomfortable. And I can totally see why it has aged badly and why people don't like it. So it was was weird. I mean, it, it was TV that made me like feel multiple things, like uncomfortable, but at the same time, like, oh, I can kind of see why that happened. Oh, no, I don't, you don't get that much with shows. So, um, I mean, obviously, it's 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 funny then, like, you know, for <laughs> to just do impressions of Chase just being a creep the whole time, which is what me and my partner did while watching it, <laughs> uh, which was extremely entertaining. But, um, it's like, you know, when she's on the operating table later, it's like, all right, darling, fancy a little kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that my aside, God. Jesus um, Christ. But I did talk about the scene for a long time. I don't know if you have that feeling about it or any thoughts about it. I just thought it was interesting for that reason. I thought it was quite a brave scene. I'll be uh, honest. I'll be honest. I didn't really put... I didn't think about it in that sort of depth. I just said, oh, Christ, Chase, <laughs> just say no. <laughs> yeah, no Make no, your I life wanted... more easy. <laughs> Make it easier for yourself because you know you don't want to do this. Oh, jeez why Mm. why just say no is a is what i would have liked chase to have done as well yeah Um. but you're right at least it like you say it didn't broach the they i think it takes a lot of cojones just to even contemplate doing that scene to to try and do it in that sort of way i just didn't think about it that deeply in comparison to the rest of the elements of the show. And I'm glad I'm glad you did, really, because Well, you I, it's something that I kinda of missed up on. Missed on. Missed. Um I'll be honest about it. Beyond my ken. You did a good job, kid. Well, I, I missed an entire um sort of 
character moment of House contemplating his own suicide using the patient as a proxy. So don't worry, <laughs> we all do it. We'll call it one for one then. Yeah, fair enough. I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think I think. In, oh, and then there's so just to just to throw in something because we're kind of still on the patient. Um, yeah, it's also got the very awesome scene where they um they basically need to find a blood clot but they can't do an mri or they can't like do anything so the only way to find it is by um physically seeing the clot um when like physically seeing the impression of the clot in the brain and the best way to do that is to um is to literally drain her brain of blood and then pump it back in and see where the blood moves around the clot and it leads to this ridiculous like medical scene this is what i mean about them coming up with like problems to solutions and why it's a really interesting episode for that for like the diagnostic stuff if you're into that yes it's like you know it's this you know they're gonna freeze her to her core till her heart stops and she almost dies then they're gonna remove blood from her they can't like there's like a thing where they can't move her or else they won't get a good image as the blood re-enters the brain. So they then like Foreman just later on is like, why don't we just drill our head to the table? And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, it's a great idea. It, feel, it feels like people coming up with ideas mm. as they go. And it real feels like the team working together. And it's like, and it's a ridiculous like um, operation that involves like 20 doctors or something. Everyone's got their part to play. It it, it real feels like, you know, um, like you, you kind of see like, you know, the first heart surgery or something. Or the first face transplant. This yeah. feels like watching one of those surgeries of how, like, you know, through practice and everyone kind of practices it and it's just choreography of it. And it's the, um the interesting thing is you get House, who's the diagnostician, kind of being like the kind of stage director. Yeah, he, he uses the stage metaphor the whole way through, even to up to during the actual procedure, and she yeah. the patient is like, You're creeping me out. <laughs> <laughs> and then the then also it kind of puts Foreman pride of place for detecting the clot. He's a neurologist. It makes sense. Mm. It wouldn't have made sense if Cameron did it or uh, Chase did it because it's not their specialty. So they got him in because that's his skill. That's what he does. He's a neurosurgeon, neurologist, yeah. not a neurosurgeon, a neurologist, and he detects the clot. And then the neurosurgeon is like, I don't believe you. You've done it wrong. You found you haven't found anything. Lo and behold, he finds it. He does. Well, that's the funny thing in this episode. So they need to find like um, they need to find like something wrong with her heart, but they can't investigate or do a biopsy. So they have to like do it through sounds and like the way the heart is beeping, beating. Cameron mm. discovers that. Then they have to do this uh, like blood clot thing in the brain. Chase they do like this crazy that. surgery. Foreman finds that. He's ah, like, but on Chase point. finds the bleed in the eye, which leads to the blood clot initially. I mean, Chase just sees an eye bleeding. Anybody could have caught that. Oh, it's truth. Uh, but I'm, and then from there, like then, and during this episode, Chase kisses a child. <laughs> right. So like, it's quite funny that two doctors have like a really amazing, like really amazing like points of their diagnosis diagnostic abilities and chase just to something extremely creepy <laughs> very funny character moments <laughs> <laughs> is that how you're going to review it on like imdb or something very yeah. very funny character moment 
everyone does something that sums them up. <laughs> and, uh, not, not that Chase doesn't have his moments, but I do feel that as of late, it's clear that Cameron and Foreman are the better doctors and Chase will come up with a crazy idea every now and again. Or like he's better with the patients. But it is um, it is very funny how kind of useless Chase comes across a lot of the time. The other thing about it that's interesting is that he says at the beginning of the episode, if I had the prognosis that she, Andy had um, with these symptoms, new newly emergent symptoms, I'd just stay at home and w- watch TV. I'm like, oh, Chase, you don't want to be saying that if you know what's coming. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was like some foreshadowing there. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh my God. These writers are sick. Sick in the head. They are totally. <laughs> there's, so there's, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's, uh, I think it's one of those episodes where that was quite an, an interesting episode in the sense that, you notice something within the theming of the show that I didn't. I sort of thought about just a random scene that kind of made me think a lot about the nature of television and art and when ideas are a good idea to explore and when they're not. And yes. then um and then for people who love the diagnostics element, I think there's there's a there's a lot going on and there's a lot of extra details that they really make this episode more entertaining. There's like house with his hay fever. There's all of like the problem solving that has to go on. There's like the kind of you quickly see them organizing this huge like experimental surgery and then pulling it off. There's um yeah, there's a lot there's a lot going on. It's a very interesting episode. And um yeah, yeah, I can totally imagine another show like spending the entire time of everybody like worrying about this experimental surgery. Um as many times with House, I remembered the experimental surgery. And it was getting near the end. And I was like, oh, I guess it's not in this episode. And then they sort of do it in like two and a half minutes. And I was like, wow, they really like they do not savor an idea. Like any idea in house is used up within a minute because they are like, we want to fit in as much stuff as possible and explore as much as possible. And um, that's I really think what makes the show so entertaining. It doesn't go like, you know, I'd say there's like (laughs) you have like, you know, people that you meet who are like, I've got an idea for a book. And they like, they never write it, but they're obsessed with that one idea for a book that they have. And they talk about it all the time. And then you have people like Tom Clancy who write like a thousand books and no idea really matters because they'll always have another idea. That's kind of like how House feels. It doesn't care about an idea. It's like, let's just do it, execute it really well, move on. I really like that about the writing team. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't dwell. It doesn't go, oh my God, this is a great idea, guys. Well, it doesn't That's... dwell, but it doesn't feel wasteful. Yes. Yeah, like you could you could easily do an entire episode about that surgery, but that's for a different show. That's not for this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, that's absolutely true. Um, well, I think... I, I mean, that would be my summary. Are you agreeing or go on? No, I wholeheartedly agree. It's got all the good elements of a house house episode. Um, it explores it doesn't have much in terms of character development but it sets up a few things here and there and it kind of explores the existing dynamic of where the characters are right now 
Like House is still kind of there's no Stacey Warner in this one as well, which is interesting. Yeah, she turns up in episode three. And I noticed having watched this episode only afterwards that she had not been in this episode. The show is really leaving you on tender hooks. It wants to take a long time with that, mm. um, which is quite nice because I guess it makes sense because obviously the shows are like, let's say each show is lasting like two weeks. Um, you know, Stacy and House have worked together for a month and let's say they didn't really interact and they ignored each other for a while after she arrived. Like, I can totally see that happening and I like that the show is kind of pacing itself on that. Yeah. She might be on annual leave. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. She could be on hospital holiday. We don't know. <laughs> but, um, well, fair enough. Well, um, well, yeah, no, I, I agree. This is really showing why season two is such a good season. It really is. Like every great episode of House season one is just taken and replicated here. And even though some of the episodes aren't truly memorable, they're all so well written um, that they really are hitting the marks that a good House episode needs to. It's, um, it's there'll be no pilots or sports medicine in the in the in this season. <laughs> I assure you. Or where are my electrolytes? <laughs> exactly. I've yet to find uh, phrase like that yet. <laughs> yeah, nothing like that. No, no awkwardness. Well, there is awkwardness when like Chase kisses a kid, but it's at least on purpose. <laughs> so that's fine. Well, um, well, cool, guess. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me as well. And I joined you. <laughs> you did. We're we're with two halves of. Uh, delicious podcast i don't even know what i'm saying delicious is a horrible word to use to describe this podcast (laughs) (laughs) never use that word again okay it's it's... barely interesting let alone delicious all right two halves of a very mediocre and quite distasteful podcast fantastic there you go edit do it in post (laughs) always (laughs) well we've got um yeah well we've 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 differentially diagnosed that one as we always do. Tick it off. <laughs> Came together as a team, expanded it, created probably the second best analysis of that episode after that wiki wiki page. Yes. Which you can find if you rewind and listen to Gaz talk speak out the entire URL. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite one I've heard is when people have like um I, I have heard this in a few podcasts from people wanting you to go to a page. And instead of just linking it, they were also on like a blog spot or some like free website. So they're like, go to this page at Humpty Dumpty dot blogspot dot com forward slash YX three one Z. Like, OK, just link it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Just put it in the description. Yeah, exactly. Put it anywhere. Um, <laughs> no one's listening to that and like typing it out like it's the, like they're trying to crack a code. I expect my fans to do that. My fans, my Jesus fans. Christ. There are no fans. There are just listeners. There are just listeners. Um, so um, I, ex- I expect our listener base to be quite attentive and um, detail-oriented, just like we are. Absolutely. Uh, they're all ADHD-ridden, unable to focus <laughs> on anything. They probably turn off after 10 minutes. Just like us. Yeah, exactly like us. But there we go, everyone. We've done an autopsy of autopsy. It's um, it's come up good. We found the problem. There was none. It was fantastic. And we'll be back next week to talk about uh, season two, episode three 
Humpty Dumpty. But until then, try and catch uh, any of the DD extras that we release on Saturday. And um, have a great week. And as usual, do the social media thing if you want. Review us if you want. Do whatever you want. But have, have, a, have a bloody good week. We'll see you next week. See ya.